Take your Bible, if you would, please stay and join me in the book of First Corinthians, if you would, please. The book of First Corinthians. I just uh, want to bring your attention to chapter number 16 and the latter part of chapter 15. We'd like to welcome all of you who have joined us by way of live stream and by radio around the world. We're so glad you're with us today. And uh, we wish you could be with us here in Joshua, Texas. And uh, it's a great day to be alive. Anybody here glad you're saved? Man walking down the street in Chicago, he was wearing one of them sandwich boards, you know. And the front of it read, I am a fool for Christ. People laughed at him, jeered him. And on the back. It said, whose fool are you? You're somebody's fool. You're either the devil's fool or Christ's fool. I'd rather be a fool for Christ, amen. amen. You know, it. we're serving someone or something, all of us. Mine is Ginger. Some of you husbands said, well, I run my home. Well, the Bible said all men are liars. <laughs> right? And uh, now it's a matter of our will of who we serve because we're going to either serve self and flesh, this world, the employer, somebody. We're going to serve someone. And so I just like to, I just like to say to you folks who are visiting today, that this is Stewardship Month in our church. It has been for 27 years. Throughout the years, we do not ragtag and beg people for money and preach on money and everything. You just happen to come one day, we do. And we are not, and I am not addressing you if you're not a member of our church. I am addressing principles in the Word of God that will bless you whether you're a member of our church or not. But I want you to know, God does not need our money. Let me say it again. God does not need our money. Because in essence, it's not ours anyhow. And everything we got, we got somewhere. And whatever we got, we're going to leave it to somebody sometime. And so it's just a matter of getting down to measure, really, who owns everything. And stewardship is not about money. Stewardship is about life. It's about talents. It's about time. It's about your whole life. And so today, I'd just like to uh, bring you a a short message because I think there's a few ball games today. And uh, not only that, a lot of folks are sick. Man, I've never seen as many folk in my life sick. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. But it sure beats the alternative. Amen. If you would, please, kind of take a look at your Bible. If you don't have one, we have one there in the pew for you. And if you do not have one at home, that that Bible in the pew is yours. You can have it. You can take it home, read it, enjoy it and uh, for the rest of your life. Unless it's got somebody's name on it. Now, if it looks like this... And somebody said, you've got to please just pick one that don't have somebody's name on it. Are you ready for a good time? Amen. Now, listen, watch this. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 
and verse number 57. And the Bible says, now, if you're visiting with us, we believe the Bible. Uh, Let me say this. We do not just to fit society. As society changes, uh, we don't do that. We try to address our lives according to something that never changes, and that's the Word of God. Amen. It's worked in my life for 46 years. I've been preaching the gospel for 46 years. I think something like that. I didn't say I was doing it well. I just said I was doing it. And, and this is something that never changes. The word of God is settled in heaven forever. Amen. And so we believe the Bible. If you're visiting with us today, we believe the Bible. Our intent is to embrace every principle and every doctrine in the Word of God. We're not perfect. We're just on our way. Okay? Uh, I, we're, just not, we're just not perfect. Uh, I think my wife's probably the closest to the perfect person I've ever seen. It's because I think she's cooking turkey today. <laughs> Only reason we're cooking turkey is we just broke Thanksgiving. And we saved up enough to get a turkey. And if you believe that, I got some oceanfront property in Colorado for sale after the service. Look at this verse. Look at this verse. Man, this will knock your lid off. But thanks be to God, which give us us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here today believe that? I don't know what's going on in your life today, but I can tell you where the victory is. I don't know what sorrow, what heartache, what burden you're bearing today. I do not know what it is. And I cannot fix it for you. But I know somebody who can. Now around here, we can't walk on the water. But I can tell you somebody who can. Uh, You know, I cannot raise you from the dead. But I know somebody who can. I don't know what your problem is, but I'm here today to tell you, thanks be unto God that give us us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is that good or what? Verse 58. Therefore, therefore, because he can give you victory. Therefore, he has the power to do what you need done in your life. Therefore, my beloved Brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Man, that's good, isn't it? It, Are those good verses? Uh, We need to memorize those verses. Let me show you two more. Chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Now, concerning the collection. You know what the collection is? Now, since I've showed you where the victory is, I have guaranteed you victory in your life. I have guaranteed you to be an overcomer in every area of your life. Whether it's marital whether it's occupational, whether it's psychological, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whatever it might be, 
Thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. I want to talk to you today about investing in your church. This conference is all about investing in the future. I know a man who is so wealthy, it'd be hard to describe. Malta gas wells. When the gas was selling for big bucks, I mean just millions of dollars rolled in. And he is in bad health. And he sits and weeps and cries audibly because he can't enjoy his wealth. A question, please. Have you ever seen a happy, wealthy person? I'm talking about victorious. I'm talking about somebody that has victory in their life. I'm talking about somebody that can muster a smile, not scared somebody's going to take it from them. (laughs) Have you ever, I'm just asking, have you ever seen a wealthy person enjoy what they spent all their life trying to obtain? Most of them kills their health get in their wealth, then spend their wealth trying to keep their health. Nothing wrong with wealth. Nothing wrong with things. God created them for us. It's just too often things become our God. I'd like to talk to you today about investing in the future. My Bible says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because rust, moth, and corruption, and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where rust and moth, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Our theme is investing in the future. We've talked about the principle of investing in the future. We've talked about priorities in our life. We've talked about uh, principles in our life. And we talked about invest in our life. I do not know one thing in this world that I would rather invest my life in than the cause of Christ. You show me your wallet. You'll show me your life. But I'll show you my life in young men like Joe McCullough. 
I'll show you my life in preachers like Bob Isbell. Uh, You show me your wealth and your attainment and what you've done. And I'll stand up Brian Cohn and our church attorney, Adam Burney. Young men who's been influenced by the life of somebody else and by the wealth of somebody else. I'm just saying to you today, listen to me, please, if you would, please. You're investing your life, your talent, your time, and your treasures in something. As for me, I think I'll invest mine in the church of Jesus Christ. That'll take young men and young women and shelter them and teach them and, and disciple them and watch Christ do something for them and in them. Today, I'd like to talk to you about investing in your church. What we need to realize today is the importance of centering our life in and around the church of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you know this or not, but the church is responsible to God for evangelizing the whole world. He did not give that to Campus Crusade. He did not give that for, uh, what is it? uh, uh, I don't know what men do and get together someplace, uh, you know, promise keepers and uh, all that stuff and mighty men for valor and all that kind of stuff. God has only instituted three institutions in this world. The home, government, and church. That's the only three institutions that God has ordained in this world. And there are the institutions that God is working through today. And you say, well, I don't want to see how God can get anything honor out of Obama. Uh, I do. God can use anything for his honor and glory. And you say, well, I'm worried about Obama. You don't need to be worried about Obama. You know who's in control? God's in control. You know, I think God didn't lose control just because the Bushes went out of the White House. <laughs> well, I'm worried to death about they're going to take my guns. I thought our weapons were not carnal, but mighty through God to pulling down strongholds. Don't worry about your guns. Dear God, if you don't want them, give them to me. And if you've got some ammunition left over, bring me that too. (laughs) Amen. You say you're going to shoot somebody? Lord, no. I'll just run them to death. And then whenever they get tired, I'll turn around and whoop them. (laughs) Let's be serious. Amen. Amen. I love the church of Jesus Christ. I love the local church. And I believe it's the only thing God has given the responsibility to winning men and women, boys and girls around the world. Uh, uh, you say, well, preacher, I don't, uh, people don't understand why our church is still growing and why we're still building. And I'll tell you why. Because this is a people place. It's not about buildings. It's a people place. It's not about money. It's a people place. It's where you can come and get the band-aids put on you from working all week long and, uh, and hurt and soothe your conscience and soothe your emotions and soothe whatever's going on. I just believe God loves the church and I believe God organized and operates in the church because he's the head of the church. 
You know why I want to give to the church? Because the Bible said that Christ is the head of the body, the church. He's in charge. Somebody said, well, Wolfenbarger runs things. No, I don't. You say, preacher, is this a dictatorship? No. It's a theocracy. God's in charge. God owns everything. Somebody said, I bet Wolfenbarger owns all that property. You kidding? I don't even own my shirt. And I can't even afford a full one. I buy this one down at the mortuary. They had a sale on them. So that's the reason I don't take my jacket off. God loves the church. Christ died for the church. And Christ loved the church. The Bible said, and he gave himself for it. And so I want to talk to you today about investing. Investing now. Investing in the church. 27 years ago, I started this church in my front yard with just a few folk. All because God wanted me to. That lady right there and my wife prayed me out of a place to preach. And so I thought I'd just preach on my porch that evening. And we preached that evening and started the Joshua Baptist Church 27 years ago. We didn't have a dime. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a savings account. And I was shaking my checking. Nobody helped us. I didn't ask anybody for help. Nobody helped us. God has built his church in this place. Not because of me, but in spite of me, God loves the church. And you're here today because God loves the church. You're here because the church loves you. You said the church don't know me, but the church loves you anyhow. And God loves you anyhow. Can you say amen? You say, well, if you love me that much, loan me a dollar. I didn't say I loved you that much. <laughs> well, you love the church. Now, without offending anyone, let me show you why it's profitable to invest in the church. Now, I'm talking about money. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your talents. See that young lady that sang up here this morning? She just... She's just uh, probably 21 uh, looking at 14. Most singers that are getting wealthy today in the country music lifestyle learn to sing in the church. Elvis Presley learned to sing in the church. Most of those guys learn to sing in the church. I would hate to go to heaven if I were them and tell God how they used the talent that God gave them while they're here on earth. Now you think about that. God did not give you your talent to waste and prostitute in this world. God gave you your talent to honor him. To please him. To help you. To please him. So I want to talk to you for just about a minute. And you say, well, preacher, what time are we going to go? 12 o'clock. You say, how do you know when it's 12 o'clock? I'm going to guess. <laughs> Let me tell you what investing in the church will do quickly. Investing in the church gives us a much larger means by which we can accomplish the Great Commission. The Great Commission is, Jesus said before he went back to earth, go ye to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Whether red or yellow, black and white, rich, poor, or indifferent, 
Everybody deserves to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody needs the, the, the privilege and the opportunity to be set free. He said, free preacher, free from what? Free from you. Free from sin. Free from hell. And I just believe everybody deserves that. I think little kids deserve it. Mom and dad deserve it. And I think if we invest in the church, if we invest in the church collectively as a team, we can get more done. We can get together. That's why God put the church together. It is a spiritual family in this earth. And God put us together and, and gave us the commission to do one thing, to evangelize the whole world. And it's just easier to do if you invest in the church. I don't know how much you put in today, but I, I tell you this. If you put a dollar in, if you put a dollar in the offering plate, that dollar helped send the gospel today around the world. Amen. You say, now what are you talking about? As I speak, as I speak right now, by way of internet, by way of television, by way of radio, everybody in the world can hear that Jesus Christ loves them and will soon return for them. Not just in Joshua, not just in Johnson County, all over the world. Think about that. In North Korea, in Iran, in Japan, in China, it blows your mind that today from this little collection of People call the church today as we preach the unsearchable riches and the love of a mighty God. They can hear the gospel. I could not do that by myself. Collectively. All these many years. As we have invested in the Lord's work. That is turned into a 24 hour radio station all over the world. And high definition television equipment and video equipment so that today we are preaching the gospel around the world. Could not do that myself. Jim and I could not do it. But as we invest in the church, we can be on the cutting edge of technology and send the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. That's why we invest in the church. We don't invest in church to buy me another coon dog. Got more now than I can feed. We invest in the church because collectively, as we do, we accomplish more. We had a theme one year, T-E-A-M. Listen, together, everyone accomplishes more. Hmm? I plowed the garden yesterday. I am not sowing the potatoes. I'm going to get help. You know why? Because the more help I got, the less potatoes I need, I have to sow. Somebody else sows some. Somebody else takes the hoe, covers it up. Somebody else, it just works better when we all do it God's way. We invest in the church, we accomplish more. When we invest in the church, listen, there is accountability. To whom is Joel Osteen accountable? (laughs) (coughs) 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 (coughs)
To whom was Jimmy Swaggart accountable? When he stood before us and preached against sin and adultery and a fornication. And they caught him with a prostitute in California. You send your money to a television evangelist. Who is he accountable to? Who is he accountable to how he spends the money? When you invest in your church, there is accountability. I have to account for every penny that comes in this church. We have a finance committee. We account to you. We just had the books audited for 27 years. Outside auditor cost us uh, $13,000, I think it was, to prove to you and to keep you satisfied that I'm not buying dog food with the offerings. <laughs> but now Jamie Baker and Miss Makeup Baker was taking God's money and building air-conditioned dog houses and buying mansions and airplanes and things. But if we invest in the church, there is accountability. I have a board of deacons. I have a board of trustees. They make up the finance committee of our church. When you invest in your church, it gives accountability. I don't know if any of you remember Jim Jones. I don't know if any of you remember names such as Robert Tilton, Jim Baker, Jimmy Swaggart, Oral Roberts, and on and on and on. Amen. When I invest in my church, I know it's going to go where it's supposed to go. Where I give it to go. You designate an offering in this church, it goes to where you designated it. And if I do not think where you gave it is honorable and God glorified, we give the money back to you and tell you to do it because unto him be glory in the church. Are you listening to me now? I'm trying to teach you something. And the reason that we invest in the church is because of accountability. And number three, it centers our lives in a God-ordained institution. Amen. Hey, man, I'm, in, I'm involved in something that God is involved in. I, I'm involved in something bigger than uh, anything President Obama could ever imagine. I'm involved in an eternal uh, institution set up by God himself and headed by the Son of the living God. Now, I'm involved in that. Now, I used to be involved in the 4-H club and the FFA club. And they didn't like us painting them pigs in the 4-FA club. So I kind of got, uh, I had to join another club. <laughs> but I've been in all kinds of clubs. But thank God I'm in one now. That's going to last forever. Huh? Are you glad of that? I mean, you're involved in something, bless God, that the God of the universe ordained and watches over and guarantees success. Listen to that. Isn't that something? I'm so glad of that. And then not only that, listen to me, listen to me. The church provides a place 
for me to give. Amen. You know, folk come to our door and say, would you give to this? Would you give that? And I, I like what my wife says. No, we give all of our offerings and benevolence to the church. Amen. Uh, all of them. You said, what about all, uh, all, uh, all, all the charities? That's fine and good. It, it's just, uh, I'm going to put my money and my life and my time and my talents in something that is eternal. Something that is life-changing. Something that is wonderful and something that the Lord Jesus is coming back for real soon. Amen. Amen. So now, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you, how many? Lay by in store as God has prospered him. Why? Ephesians 3.21. Unto him be glory in the church, world without end. Amen. You know, I just believe if you're going to do it, you ought to do it through the church. Why? Because that's where Christ gets glory. Did you hear me? If I'm going to spit for Jesus, I'm going to spit in the church because that's the only place he gets glory. Don't do that, kids. (laughs) I don't know why that came out. But whatever I do, I'm going to do it through the church because that's where he gets glory. Amen. Now notice, a principle, a principle is a fundamental rule or law. A fundamental rule or law that all other principles are built upon. And I want to show you in that verse, in that that verse right quick. Let me show you the principles of investing in your church. Okay. First of all, let's look if you would please. And I'm just, I'm just so close to done. You can't hardly believe it. But I want you to look for just a minute, and I want to just talk to you about, first of all, a primary, primary principle. Let me give you something. If you ain't got this down, uh, you just don't have any room to go anywhere. Deuteronomy chapter 10, if you would please. Quickly, if you would, a fundamental principle about investing in your church, all right? Deuteronomy 10. Don't, it's embarrassing when the pages of your Bible stick together, isn't it? 10 and verse number 14. Please look at this, would you? Quickly. I want you to, now I want to read it. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's. You got that? Is the Lord thy God and the earth also with all that therein is. Let me read it for you again. You got it? Deuteronomy chapter number 10, verse 14. Here's a principle. The primary principle is, verse 14, Behold, the heaven and the heavens of heavens is the Lord's, thy God, and the earth also with all that therein is. Now, I may believe the Bible. Please if you really believe the Bible, say amen. amen. Then whose suit did you wear to church today? The heaven and the heavens of heavens is the Lord. And all that in the earth is his. The first thing I got to settle, not you now, first thing I got to settle is really who owns everything. 
the first thing I got to settle, and, and please don't worry about it. I'm talking about me. First thing I got to settle is whose is this? I'm not talking about 10%. I'm not talking about a tithe. I'm, not, I'm talking about what, I, you know, I got a, a four or five dogs in the backyard. And uh, every once in a while they do something wrong. And I just say, Lord, they're yours. Whoop them. I say, Lord, they got a shocking collar on it. All you got to do is just push the button. They're yours. I got the best wife in the world. The very best. But she belongs to God. We've been living in the same place. We started this church in my front yard. And it's paid for. But every inch of it belongs to God. He saith, mine. Did somebody own it before you got it? Or do you think somebody might own it when you're gone? Really, it's yours? The first principle we all got to figure out is just who's it belong to? I mean, isn't God good to let us enjoy what we got? Hmm? I'm so glad that God... uh, Allowed me to be a hunter. Now I'm not a getter. I'm just a hunter. I'm glad God gave me a set of golf clubs. That was frugal. I have no idea why he did it. My problem is when I swing at the ball, I'm standing too close to it after I swing. <laughs> Most time I don't have to worry about finding my ball. I just look down there. It's on that little tee. That little deal sitting there. I don't know why God gave me a good set of golf clubs, but they're his. I, I don't know why. Uh, my wife and I, we raised chickens two at a time. Because God seemed like he always wants one before they get grown. And he got hawks that come by and helps him with a job. And The first fundamental primary principle we need to talk about it's really, whose is it? Because if it's yours, you're going to get mad when I try to get it. And then you're going to get mad at me because you think all I want is your money. When really all I want is for God to have your heart. That's, it's not about money. We do not have stewardship to raise money, we have stewardship to raise people, Amen. to raise Christians. Man, you know how it was for me to tithe the first time 46 years ago? 22 men working for me, roll the money in my pocket, they'd choke a neck canary. <laughs> and the preacher started preaching the first Sunday I got saved. Started talking about tithes. I didn't know if I was a part of a machine. It was a bad disease. I didn't know what it was. And then he said, 10%. And I wondered, of what? And then he said, my entire salary. That's when I got mad. That's when I said, all you stinking preachers want is money. That wasn't what he was wanting. He was wanting some 
spiritual growth in my life. He's wanting me to trust God, not only with my soul, but with my life. And that's what it's all about. Primary deal, primary principle. Got to settle it. Who owns it? Now, I wish I had time to give you the rest of it, but it's time for me to close. And whether you believe it or not, I'm going to close. I was reading something this morning, and I, I, and I don't like to close a message uh, with a, with a tear-jerking story, but some of you look like you need it. <laughs> really, I want to ask you, and I want you to think about this today and next week and all week long. Really, who does everything belong to? Well, if we get these kids to, re- to just know that their body is not their own, uh, it belongs to God. And if they get that truth really settled in their heart, then they'd save their body and they'd save their purity and they'd save what God has given them for the one God has given them. And they can be happy in life. God wants them to be happy in life. So the problem really boils down in closing, who belongs at all? Rich man died and went to heaven. And that's difficult. Even Jesus said that. <laughs> it's more difficult for a rich man to go to heaven is a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Well, this one passed the needle test. and He went to heaven and walked through the gates. And, of course, every story. St. Peter greets him, welcomes him to heaven. And begins to show him around. And this suited the rich man real well because he just thought maybe his achievement in life kind of deserved a little bit tour of heaven after he got there. And he looked around and saw mansions. And I'm glad the Bible says mansions, aren't you? In my father's house are many mansions. You say, boy, how can you get a mansion in a house? It's a big house. It's a big house. Measure it. Heaven's a big place. And so the rich man in St. Peter was walking down the street looking at the beautiful mansions. Some of them to be appeared as to be constructed out of gold and silver and precious jewels. You know, the things that we hold precious here, we walk on in heaven. (laughs) There ain't going to be no asphalt on the streets in heaven made of solid gold. He said, boy, I'd like to get there. That's why you need to be saved. Because the body that you and I have today are not fit for heaven. So we're buried in corruption. This one that stinks if you don't bathe it. That cries at you if you don't feed it. That reminds you as your stomach roars that you're hungry. And if you don't feed it, it begins to remind everybody around you that you're hungry. You can't go to heaven in this body. You've got to have a body that's incorruptible, undefiled. And you get that when you come out of the grave, if you're saved. If you're not saved, you and the body you've got now will be cast into hell forever and ever and ever. But if you get saved, Christ will give you a body that can live in a place called heaven. 
St. Peter and the rich man is viewing heaven. All the beautiful things. So they walk down the street and they see an ornate home, a beautiful home. And the rich man said, is that mine? And Peter said, no, uh, uh, that belongs to your janitor. Because your janitor all of his life was a godly man, faithful to church, and loved Jesus. He walked down the street a little farther and saw some beautiful mansions. They stopped in front of an extremely large, beautiful mansion. And the rich man looked with a smile on his face and said, I bet that one's mine. St. Peter said, no, that was your maid's. She served the Lord and went to church and gave regularly. She loved Jesus with all her heart. They walked on down the street and they come to a different part of heaven. It's kind of, not the kind of part that he thought would be there. And it was filled with little bitty shacks. Walked over to one that had paper on top and cardboard on the side and a refrigerator door for a door. And he said, whose is that? And Peter said, that's yours. And the guy got irate and said, I don't understand that. And St. Peter said, well, we did the best we could with what you sent ahead. Where are you making your investments? Not to make angry, and it's not to make angry. Jesus Christ invested his entire life for your happiness and for your future. God invested his only begotten son on the cross of Calvary that you might have all of your sins forgiven. And your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the Lord Jesus had hung on the cross and bled and died. Look now and he stands with arms open wide, bidding you, saying, come unto me, all of you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when you get to heaven, he'll show you how much he loves you by the scars in his hands. And you ask Jesus, how much do you love me? And he spreads his arms out. And see the blood stains in his hands. And he says, I love you. This much. It's not about money. It's about Jesus. And his love for us.